Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello and happy Wednesday. Hope that you're happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. I want to start off on a high note because I got a text a little while ago from the one and only Lady B messaged me, uh, our Lady B, who is a producer extraordinaire and a great team of producers here at WCPT, was uh, has been battling breast cancer. She was diagnosed last spring and has had surgery, has had a, a unilateral mastectomy, and then uh, was reco- in recovery, had some hiccups along the way and went in recently to uh, to make sure that everything was clear and that uh, also go in with some reconstructive surgery. So th- I want to read you read to you the text I received just a little while ago. Hi, everyone. Uh, update with my doctors today. My oncologist said everything looks good. How great is that news? Uh, she'll continue to take her meds. She uh, does not need radiation or chemo, so there's a medication she needs to take every every day. She still needs to see her uh, doctor every three months. Her surgeon said everything looks good and she's healing great. From Lady B, she says, every day I'm feeling better and better. I do see the doctors in the next month. Please let everyone know I said hi and I'm getting better every day. So that's from Lady B and uh, we'll get an update from herself when, uh, when she feels up to it, but I uh, wanted to share that great news that Lady B is, is recovering and she sends her very, she wants you to know that she's doing well and we are so thrilled to hear that. We love you so much Lady B and uh, I look forward, I, I love working with all the producers everyone here has has stepped in and done a magnificent job and uh, we are such a wonderful family here at WCPT I'm proud to be a part of this wonderful station. So uh, I wanted to share that with you because um, I, I look, I listen to, uh, while I'm working during the day, I have the radio on in the back background and sometimes I have C-SPAN on and I kind of go back and forth and I'm listening to the station. And by the way, how great has Richard Chu been in the mornings? Uh, I know that there's some folks, it's, it's change is hard and uh, you know, we have had a magnificent voice in the morning uh, and sometimes things change and I think that it's been great listening to Richard Chu as well in the mornings. Uh, open and, and, uh, and by the way, it's so funny to hear all of our regulars calling. So uh, great to hear Roosevelt this morning on Richard's show and amongst others. And uh, I, I was um, before I got to work today. I was uh, following, trying to catch up on everything that was happening yesterday and what would go on in the House of Representatives today in D.C. And I caught a press conference with Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, saying that uh, you know yesterday was disappointing. I did not realize there was a Democrat. I think that because uh, we got Congressman Quigley at the just as the news was breaking, but uh, you know, and that the number was twenty. 216 against impeaching Secretary Mayorkas. And I did not realize there was one legislator who was in the hospital recovering from stomach surgery, intestinal surgery, I believe. And, uh, and now people are accusing like the Democrats of telling him that, you know, uh, coaxing him or bullying him and showing up. And he says, nope, I, I this is how important this vote was. And he showed up in his basically his hospital gown and a wheelchair and and voted. And Mike Johnson. So this is where Mike Johnson's like, well, you know, people that weren't supposed to be there showed up. So he did think he had the votes. Everyone's been talking about how uh, if you don't don't call the vote, if you don't know what your numbers are and um, good on I'm trying to find the representative who uh, who showed up. Uh, let's see. I, let, I'm sure I can do uh, congressman surgery voted in a hospital gown. 
It was Representative Al Green. Thank you so much, Andy, for pulling up that information. But yes, Representative Al Green showed up yesterday. Um, oh, we have uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some audio. Even I should probably message you when I see things that I want to hear. But uh, yeah, Mike Johnson was saying that uh, you know you can't, you can't really account for these kinds of things. And then he went on to talk about how um, we he's never there's such a chasm 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 right, Andy? It's chasm between uh, and he did say I realize now he didn't say between Democrats and Republicans. He just said chasm in this country, and I think the chasm is within the Republican Party because when you when I'm sitting there watching. An interview with a Republican saying that uh, it was it's the uh, Congress, the senator out of uh, out of Oklahoma, who is saying that, uh, look, I, I'm I, he's been working on this bipartisan funding bill for the border for months. The Funding that Republicans demanded, the policies that Republicans wanted, from fentanyl detection technology to more judges to support for the border, for all these things, Democrats and Republicans hammered it out. And, you know, one of the things I've learned about these kinds of negotiations is nobody gets everything they want. No, you get you get as close as you possibly can that you can tolerate, because if somebody gets everything they want, it's not a good bill. A good bill is when people give up a little bit of ground, they negotiate. And I mentioned this yesterday. There have been surveys, polling done amongst Democrats and Republicans. And when you ask Democrats, the majority of Democrats, when asked, do you want an elected who is willing to work on both sides of the aisle? Are you do you want them to be collaborative and to negotiate and work these things out? Democrats. In, in the majority, say yes. I want someone who can work with everybody. When Republicans are asked that question, the majority say no. And this is how they have been getting so many atrocious pieces of legislation through. And they tried impeaching uh, Secretary Marcus yesterday. Let's listen to the audio that uh, that Andy just shared. Let's see what this one is. Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, we have a razor-thin uh, margin here, and every vote counts. Sometimes uh, when you're counting votes and people show up when they're not expected to be in the building, it changes the equation. But listen, we have a duty and a responsibility to take care of this issue. We have to hold the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security accountable. Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. The Biden administration needs to be held accountable. And we will pass those articles of impeachment. Uh, we'll, we'll do it on the next round. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the accountability is in the legislation. They're saying, you know what? This has been going on for more than a decade and we need to do something. As Congressman Quigley told us yesterday in conversations we've had, and, and you can go ahead and Google how long it has been. When President Obama was office, he tried to get this done and the Republicans would not budge on us. Boehner held it all up. So now we have a bipartisan bill for funding for Ukraine, for Taiwan, for Israel, And for the border that came out of the Senate and the House is like, well, no, 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 we don't want we don't all they don't want to do anything on Taiwan, Ukraine or the border, even though the border in particular was something they asked for. And fundamentally, they know that they we have to do something with Ukraine to hold the line so that Russia does not. I don't care what Tucker Carlson does. I don't care that Tucker Carlson is chumming up with uh, with Putin just because he's been kissing his ass virtually for the last several years and now wants to do it in person. I don't care. Uh, But unless Republicans want to hand the entire region to Putin, we have to hold the line with Ukraine. Um, At any rate, I, I just this is entirely in the hands of Republicans in the House, they have the tools, they have the bill that has been crafted per their demands, and now they want to play more games. It's un—it's just—it's unbelievable. Let's go to uh, Jim. Hey, Jim in Chicago, what's on your mind, my friend? 
it's just amazing to me that one person can hold the whole grand old party hostage. I mean, now they're gambling that this guy is going to get elected again. But the, really, the, the heavier odds are he's going to end up in prison. And if I was a 30- or 40-year-old middle-aged uh, congressperson or senator or whoever it was, I'd have to separate myself from uh, Trump. Because uh, I, don't, I, I don't know that strategy can work. I don't see how that strategy – they're gambling that this nut is going to get elected again and they'll somehow get uh, – yeah. Get back into power. I know. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I yeah. mean, it's a huge gamble, Patty. That's a, that's well, a huge gamble. But 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 it has. But here's the thing: it has worked for them, right? Not allowing a Supreme Court justice hearing to proceed after the appointment of Merrick Garland by President Obama, they, you know, they stalled out, let everything stay in stasis. We were one short on the Supreme Court because they were taking a gamble on Democrats not winning the White House. They do this over and over again with ridiculous amount of, unfortunately, to push through their aggressive, anti-American, anti-democratic agenda. Right, it's true. But the, it, right now, as it stands now, first of all, I got one question for you. Who was who delineated the red states and blue states? Who who made that up? Is that for screen oh. time? Who, who, was, <laughs> right. who, who was the? Oh no, who invented that? Red states and blue states. Uh, anyway, is it, I mean, when I was, I mean, I never heard red states and blue states until the last ten years or so. But my point about it is the red states are kid are solidly Republican. That I understand. And they could do whatever antics they want because the people are going to support them as Republicans. I, but, I hear, I just want to tell you right, real quick, you want to know who invented it, who they attribute it to? Cool. Tim Russert. Uh, uh, Tim? Tim Russert, uh, yeah. uh, journalist Tim Russert, invented these terms during his televised coverage of the 2000 United States presidential election because as late as the 1990s, Democrats were often represented by red and Republicans by blue. So they flipped it, red states and blue states. Uh, by the way, because the first time I remember really it being kind of uh, solidified was in President and then Senator Barack Obama's speech. We are not the blue states of America. We are not the red states of America. We are the United States of America, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But but they're gambling. They're just gambling. And, and is I I don't think that Trump has a, ch- a chance. I don't think he has a chance to win this election. I really do not think he has a chance. And the House, if that, it's got to revert back to the Democrats after this uh, fiasco. I mean, New York is definitely going to go. Uh, they're not going to get uh, hoodwinked like they got last time. And um, I don't know. I, I've heard some rumblings that we could beat that guy down in Texas. Uh, that crazy guy that should be run through a car wash. What's his name? Ted Cruz? Yeah, he, he's beatable, believe it or not. I hope and, so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I, I, I mean, these are this we'll all know in ten months. Right. But to but to put but to put they're putting all their eggs in one basket, and it just uh, I've never heard in history I've never heard where one individual could keep a whole party hostage. It just that's never happened. I've never heard I, I, I've never heard that uh, in any history that I've ever read or what I've what I've lived on this earth. I've never seen somebody who could hold the whole party hostage. It just is remarkable to me. 
Anyway, Patty, have a great and, and show. By, and have and a great by show. that, the whole country hostage, yeah. by the way. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Patty. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Let's take a break here. We'll continue taking your calls when we come back. 773-763-9278. Coming up at 530, we are going to talk to the mayor of St. Charles. Laura Videk going to join us at 530. Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation joins us at 6. And uh, I just, I'm so excited to have these. There's, oh, there's a really important story coming out of Missouri. Uh, I've mentioned before that, uh, maybe I should talk about this when we come back, but there is legislation that has been introduced in Missouri that would ban any woman or girl from ever receiving Medicaid or Medicare if she has ever had an abortion. Just let that sit there for a minute. Ever. Not, not since they banned it. Ever. They want to withhold Medicare and Medicaid to any woman or girl who has ever had an abortion. <sighs> Just let that, I'm gonna, we'll talk about that in a little bit. 773-763-9278 is the number to call and join us. And I also want to thank our sponsors, Monaco Brewing Company. Go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com and check out the crazy stories and wonderful items because, I mean, Kirk, just he is just the most irreverent uh Articul- he's very articulate when he gets angry with somebody because people will send these reviews and they clearly haven't even been to his uh, brewery. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to follow his stories on Facebook, you know, Monaco Brewing Company, and find out how you can purchase a progressive brew, perhaps in the Chicagoland area, or have a woke coffee mug shipped to you. We also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center over at 4080 North Broadway. Go to europeanus.com and find out all the great work that they do for vehicles that maybe been a fender bender, maybe got something mechanical, and you got to find out more about Warren and his great shop over at 4080 North Broadway by visiting EuropeanUS.com. They are a division of Technocraft. So that's a wonderful location to get your car done. We also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org and find out how you can support their mission to really help children who have survived trauma, help them live a happy, healthy, safe life by going to kidsaboveall.org and donating your time, your resources, just being better informed. If you know someone that's been considering adoption or foster care, they have information there too. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are taking your calls. Uh, You can also text us at the same number, 773-763-9278. We'd love to hear from you. A lot going on in the news. Uh, We have been talking about the stall out from the negotiations in regards to the Senate bill coming out uh, that would have provided aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and funding for the border. One of our listeners on the Facebook page uh, points out that uh, the Democrats, that the Senate bill did nothing for Dreamers and for DACA, which is accurate. And I was um, in they they demanded that in exchange for aid on the other uh, in the other uh, areas where we were trying to fortify Ukraine, uh, support Israel and uh, funding for Taiwan. In exchange for all of that, uh, the uh, Republicans demanded that there would be no uh, there would be no uh, negotiations in regards to the pathway for citizenship and for reinforcing the uh, dreamers. Um, that, and that policy has been in talks for more than a decade. And uh, we cannot make any progress on that, unfortunately, because they made border restrictions a consi- a, a necessity. They demanded uh, that they that they drop the um, the policies that would have reinforced would have helped dreamers and uh, and reinforced DACA. They demanded that would be dropped uh, as a condition for providing aid. So Chad is on the line. Chad, what's on your mind, my friend? 
Hey, I don't think you've mentioned that the Republicans brought up H.R. 2, and I think it's still sitting on Chuck Schumer's desk. That was over the summer. Did we forget about that? I know. I was wondering about that because didn't they ask for it? Didn't they ask for H.R. 2 to the Secure the Border Act, right? It's still on Chuck's desk. Chuck didn't want to do anything with it. But uh, let me go back to the original point. Why? There's no crisis at our border. Right. Yeah, there's there's no crisis. It's in the it's in the cities where the governor is uh, where Governor Abbott is sending people is more of the crisis for folks. We have oh, checkpoints. No, we have uh, you know. The, yeah, I mean the point I'm the point I'm trying to make. Be, I'm trying to be sarcastic. Mm-hmm. You kind of missed it, but no, 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 uh, I, I, uh, I, no, no, no. I, I heard you, Chad. I, I, I okay. it, it, sarcasm's hard. You got to go. This is what you do. You go. There's no problem at the border, is there? That kind of thing. I'll get my tone of voice right there on the next time. But for three and a half years, for three and a half years, and I'm trying to be fair here. Uh, I'm, I'm one of your only, uh, uh, I guess, opposition guys that call in to try to uh, listen to both ends. But let's let's be fair. For three and a half years, and as, uh, up to three weeks ago, a month ago, our border was not a problem to anybody on the Democratic Party. It was never talked about. Let's also not. We wait, talk about this. Okay, go ahead. Real quick. Real quick. Uh, Joe Biden stood on a debate stage in February of 2020. He had Elizabeth Warren next to him, and he had Bernie Sanders to his right. And he said, and this is, uh, you can, you can, I know you're a Google queen, candidate Biden calls on illegal immigrants to surge the border. Okay, you can go right, your listeners can go right to YouTube and type that in the search engine. And they can listen to it for their own ears, because that's not my, that's not my voice, that's his voice. Okay, so I think part of the problem was that this, was called upon early on in the in, in the administration, and the people listened. And then when they got here, they're getting cell phones. They're getting obviously they're getting shipped around the country. Their cities. I think Chicago is going to hand out money. Uh, I heard uh, nine thousand dollars was going to be offered for housing and food to some of these people. Okay, and, where, when you say you I've know, heard, when you say I've heard, this is going to be offered because I look. I'm not going to. I'm not going to deny that millions of dollars are being spent and not always in a way that's transparent or necessarily uh, thoughtfully spent. So when when people say I heard that they're going to get nine thousand, because I, I see so many of that they're, they're giving them cash cards for two thousand dollars. So the I heard, I, I would sure. like to know where, where where that source is. <laughs> Again, whether they're giving them two hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, but you just said nine thousand. No, but you just said they were they were giving being given nine thousand dollars for housing. It was, you know, again, I don't have my computer in front of me. I'm not the Google king like you're the Google queen. No, no, no. Uh, it's it's not, it's not a matter but, of googling. But, it's this is because this is what it sort of is informing your opinion too. Is that you read or you heard, and and I don't well, I don't blame it, you for being it, frustrated with that. It, it, that kind of information, because okay. that would that would frustrate anybody to know that we, you know we don't have accountability for money that's being spent. Well, I understand, but again, they're getting money, correct? Yes or no? No, they're they are they specifically. Nah. I am well, not aware. Hold on, you you said hold on to me. Okay. I am not aware okay. of of migrants or asylum seekers being directly given money. What I do know is that there are organizations that are trying to connect them to services, trying to make sure they have clothing, that they have a, a somewhere dry and warm to sleep. They show up 24-7 with uh, everything they possibly can, food and water. And, and so, as far, I mean, I know that there are migrants that are panhandling. I am not aware specifically of a program that is 
handing over money directly to migrants. I mean, I know that there are organizations that are like, here's a gift card to go get food or or go get your laundry done. But if there if, if it's happening in Chicago, I, I have the there, by the way, on the city of Chicago's website, there is a dashboard for the organizations, like how much money the uh, the folks that are providing food or like Catholic charities, all those things. There's actually a dollar amount for each what the grants and funding that are going to those organizations. And how they disperse that is then under their uh, accountability. You know, that's something I wish that we were doing better. So, again, they're, they're, they're getting aid, which we can argue or, or debate that another time. But the, no, what I'm trying no, to make... we can do is, that here because you came in with okay. 9000 and then it was a couple hundred. Okay. Well, they're getting money. So aid, so support. Okay. The, op, the, the okay. option then is, just, I think, that, what, here, how about this? What are your thoughts on putting the umbrella over those that are coming here without housing and with uh, people who are homeless? Because I, I do have a problem with the fact that for decades we've told people who live here we don't have enough money for your community to provide these services, I do think that folding them in is a good idea. We, we can actually agree on that. Pritzker announced a $41.5 million grant, I believe, for municipalities that are looking for asylum seekers. Okay, so that frustrates me as well. And we can go back to what happened in February 2020 when Joe Biden stood on a debate stage and he encouraged people. He encouraged, he called on illegal immigrants to surge our border. Now, our homeless vets are getting neglected. The homeless people of Chicago are being neglected. Okay? Unfair, in my opinion. Now, that, that, that's the, the point that, that sort of bothers me is that we're opening up schools uh, for homeless people. They're, they're putting uh, the, these, I'm sorry, for the, for the uh, asylum seekers. Our, our homeless vets and our homeless people in the city are not benefiting from any of this. And that's kind of disturbing. That's, and, and I think, and I think that's the goal of this new program to put the uh, to put put that all under the same agency. So I, I appreciate that. I do have to. I, I I suspect that some of our callers, and I because I have a guest coming on at five thirty. I want to make sure I get to a couple of the other callers. But I think that this was a, a level. I mean, again, if when it's it's easier to. I mean, aid is one thing to be mad about aid. I think is unfortunate because ultimately, what are we going to do? Governor Abbott is sending people here, and rather than turning our backs. And we are a welcoming city. Uh, that is is part of the this whole political game that everyone's playing. I, I, Chad, I have to run though. Okay, thank you so much. Take care. Please. You too. Thank you. And let me get to. Let's see who wants to, who wants to, uh, who's been on hold. Richard was on hold. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, uh, well, it sort of changed after hearing that nonsense. Oh, I, I don't remember hearing Biden calling uh, on people to, uh, to come into our borders. So, I mean, good Lord. Uh, however, the people that say that our borders are open, which are the Republicans, are sure inviting people. To, they, they hear that message. Right. Now, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Chertoff and, the, and another Homeland Security person has said that under, my, uh, under this administration, more people have been uh, stopped, detained, and deported right. than under any president. Right. You know, so I, you know, and now I, I don't know if you understand the Constitution, but the executive branch follows the laws written by Congress. We just saw how well they're writing laws, right? And then you have Johnson going, you know, responsibilities talking about. He, has, he ducks his responsibility for being a moron who couldn't get the bill passed and can't count. But now he's talking about, you know, we're going to hold uh, 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 Mayorkas uh, accountable, you know, uh, for his actions. I mean, you know, I mean, this is just preposterous stuff. And, uh, 
So, I mean, I got so aggravated listening to that uh, tirade of nonsense that <laughs> I, was, I, I just I was, lost my... I was trying to I, grab onto something, and I was just like, uh, uh, you know, there's a, a lot. And, and again, that's why I go, when you when someone is throwing out numbers, that that language makes people... I, I don't know, why are they getting 9,000? And, and that's the kind of thing that takes a hold of people's imaginations. And so dismissing it is like, know. well, I don't have that. Well, then don't throw that number out, because it is inflated, well, it is yeah. exaggerating, and it's meant to manipulate, I think. Well, yeah. Plus, you know, what do you want these people dying on the street? I mean, what the heck is the matter with, you know, I mean, these people are just so in deep, you know, get on his party for not writing a law. Well, that's, that was what I mentioned. Is it, Trump. Yeah, for more than a decade. And Democrats do want to talk about making immigration reform a priority. And I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's this why so many Democrats. The Democrats are. What? Well, it's part of that, that, you know, this business about the great replacement theory, I guess, too. I mean, these, this, right. these people are all over the place. And then, and then you get a person like you know, Johnson who, you know, is, all of a sudden he's getting, you know, he had, instead of having a pornographic uh, application, you ought to get one for when he's disingenuous and not taking responsibility. There's a thing he has with his son, if you recall. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. uh, Michael Johnson. Yeah. There were a lot I mean, of jokes online about that. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes about that online yesterday yeah. after. Yeah. Uh, that that it, I, I don't yeah, want to. I, mean, I can't repeat it, but about how his his son's porn uh, app uh, <laughs> dinged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it, it, to, to put this blame on on Biden, who's already you know who is trying to stop the border and, and they're not letting people in so they can vote. And oh, another guy too, the fellow that was on prior to that said that uh, you know Trump can't win. Well, he didn't win the first time. He didn't win the second time, but he neither did George W. Bush. And there is a lot of stuff that I get uh, see uh, on my uh, feeds that come in uh, about uh, voter suppression and the rest. And so, if you're on the ballot, you can win. And if you and, and it seems like the press doesn't care yeah, about fair elections in this country. They don't care about what the, the uh, electoral college has done to our country. And uh, so, definitely anybody could win. I guess maybe I, even I could. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, the, the voter suppression is the uh, you know is the thing that is the worry. You know. Right. So, Agreed. Um, just so don't, yeah. Thank you for letting me go on. So I appreciate much. it. No, it was great to hear from you, Richard. Have you called before? Uh, I think so. You know, oh. I, uh, yes, I, I, I pay attention to the stuff because I'm retired, and uh, but I also it gripes me. And I, I'm going to push a book for everybody. It's called the uh, Profiles in Ignorance. I, I, I'm on a, I just finished it up. It's by Andy Borowitz, and it points out nice. Yeah, I like uh, Andy. how we have got. Yeah, yeah, you got to read that book because there's a, uh, there's every page has about ten things you could use at some point in your in on a program of the ridiculous stuff that's gone on uh, from out of the Republicans and how even the Democrats have to play along, which is to dumb down. I mean, the, the, we're talking of Palin's and Quails and mm. W. Bush these, and, and Reagan. They're all and and Trump all out to lunch, but everybody is you know bowing down to him. And this guy spells it out and, and reminds you of things that you've heard and know about that you've forgotten because you're overwhelmed. Yeah, no, I so, anyway. feel overwhelmed. Good. Uh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. the dumbing. What was it called again? Uh, prof- not profiles and courage. Profiles and ignorance. Okay, the profiles and ignorance. Fairly new book. Excellent. Yeah. Thank it, you so much. Yeah. It, it, yes, I think we need a book club for that. Well, I will put together a report. Thanks, Richard. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you. Take you care. Uh, my friends who are on, on hold, I, I'm going to check in with uh, Mayor uh, Laura Vidic in just a moment from St. Charles, and I will get to your calls as soon as I can. So thank you for calling in. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. We're driving it home with me, Patty Vasquez. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are checking in with the mayor of St. Charles, Laura, Dr. Mayor Laura Vitek joins us on the line. Hey, mayor, how are you doing today? Good, Kenny. How are you? I'm very well. You guys got a lot of exciting things going on in St. Charles. I really am enchanted by the whole area, whether it's uh, just some of the beautiful homes or that wonderful downtown area. And we're thrilled to check in with you. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, well, lots is always going on, as you know. You've been out. We appreciate that. Um, our first street plaza, we just did the opening. Um, we still have a little bit left to do construction-wise, but it's open to the public, and we're excited that when spring gets here, people will be able to use it. That's fantastic. And I, I know that uh, you know the people that live there are super proud of their city, so when you have events like this, people show up, don't they, when, when you're going to open up something cool? Oh, yes. We had more than 100 people at our event, which for a weekday night was yeah. fascinating. And the weather, you know, it was always a little bit chilly, but it held out for that night. So it was well attended and a very exciting night. Fantastic. And I, and I know that uh, a lot of the, you know, when I, when I went down to perform at the, out at the Moonlight Theater and we got to hang out a little bit, uh, first of all, what a wonderful venue that is. I know they're doing comedy nights there and uh, they do, they also rent the space out for special events, for fundraisers. Uh, tell us a little bit about that spot because that's a historic landmark. Is it? Well, I don't know if it's a landmark uh, specifically, but that's been around since vaudeville. Oh, yes. It's a historic um, building. I believe there used to be city council meetings there. It's, they've just done a great job. It's a fabulous little venue to come see any kinds of musical entertainment, any kinds of acts. And um, we're fortunate in St. Charles to have a couple of those venues, but that's definitely something new that's um, added to our downtown area. Fantastic. And I, I love the yeah. uh, the restaurants, too. I've, I've told you, I mean, it's such a wide range of opportunities to, to go out. And, and because it's right off the, um, you know, you've got easy transportation out there. Well, do you guys have a metro stop or is that in Geneva? No, Geneva does. Yeah, that's right. You can that's easily right. get up there from here. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I love that. And you and like whenever I'm there, it's just it, it, everything seems to go so smoothly. And I know that a lot of that has to do with uh, a lot of the public uh, services you have, including your law enforcement and uh, and all your public works. Tell us a little about some of those organizations. And I know you're proud oh, of them. Gosh. Yes. Yes. Our, our staff are a great team. They put so much effort into everything they do. And yeah, the service level in St. Charles is just really top notch. So we're very fortunate. We have people that love working for us and most many of them live in our community too yeah I, well yeah of course <laughs> it always helps doesn't it i mean i know that not every every yeah. uh, municipality has a requirement like chicago does we do have a requirement for uh, city workers to live in the city uh and i that's how i grew up around a lot of uh, cops and firefighters because they all go to kind of the edges a little bit so it's nice when you know that uh the people in your community want to live there as well as serve there right Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, it's a little different. I uh, I I love uh, just so much of what you've done in St. Charles. And uh, what are some of the other things that like what's coming up? So, what are some of the events that are coming up that you uh, want to let people know about? Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned restaurants, and this week is actually our restaurant week. Oh! So anyone, yeah, so anyone who comes and visits, uh, there's a select number of restaurants, and it's 25% off your entire bill over $25. So it's a great opportunity to check out many restaurants out here this week. Nice. And I I know that folks get excited about their whole foods. You're getting one downtown there in St. Charles? We are, and we're just anxiously awaiting for that. 
Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yes. one, it's one of those things where I, I could, I mean, I go in there and I just buy one thing and I'm like, I, I don't know. It just puts me in a good mood. Uh, but it, 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 you know, I, I go in there and it's just, a, you know, it's so convenient whether oh, yeah. you've got your app from, uh, from Amazon and stuff like that. And the salad bar. I mean, who doesn't like the salad bar there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just ready to go. We are talking to uh, to Mayor Laura Videk, the uh, mayor of St. Charles, and they have uh, they recently had their official opening for their first street plaza with a lot of wonderful features, with like a pedestrian parkway, uh, and and it's gonna. Be, and, and I know they opened in the winter, so it's just only gonna get more vibrant as the, the weather turns warm, right? Yes, and absolutely. You know, I picked January because. It's kind of dull in January, and the weather's not always up and up, and people are a little down. So we thought, why not make this event in January to just brighten everyone up yeah, exa- out in our community? Exactly. And then when the when the weather warms up, because you've got a nice little uh, pedestrian way with a with a river right there, and uh, you'll have out like benches and places for people to kind of mingle outside. Which you know, that's kind of the reason of living in this area and gutting it out through the winter are those glorious springs and summers and fall. Yes, for sure. And outdoor dining then kicks up, kicks off, and there'll be some outdoor dining in the plaza at the restaurants that reside there too. So it'll be a lot of fun come spring. And how are uh, what kind of uh, election season do you? Get? I mean, are you allowed to talk about po- uh, politics as well? Talking as the mayor, I'm not sure how this works. Sometimes. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> um, well, our, just, just some generalities. I mean, you know, folks get geared up for elections. When, when are your prim- are your primaries uh, in March as well? Yes, we don't have primaries. No, our next term and. I serve a four-year term, so my term, if I were to choose to run again, I would be up for re-election in April of 25. So it's pretty calm right now in the election season for our municipal elections, right. which is nice, Yes, <laughs> which yeah. is very nice. Right, with everything else going on, uh, yes. it, it's nice to kind of take a step back and, and enjoy. For folks who haven't met you before, tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up. Oh, sure. I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago, Alsip, Illinois, and I was a fam- part of an oldest of four kids, six um, people in my family, and very blue-collar family, and just worked my way up and went to school and paid for that, and here I am. I have a full-time job, and I also am the mayor of a community, so it's been it's been a lot of work, but that's how I've been built by my family on the south side. That's fantastic. I, and I love that you, uh, you know, that you're so committed to public service and, and doing everything you can to know, make sure that people have access to the, the full range of, of, you know, opportunities that they have in your community. And, uh, you know, what, what is, what has surprised you the most as mayor of St. Charles? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, probably how difficult the job is, how challenging it is and trying to make everyone happy is nearly impossible, but you do the best you can and you, your goal and outcome is just to make St. Charles one of the best places to live. And that's what I'm striving for. And I think so far I've done a pretty good job. So I'm hoping that continues. Outstanding. And what are you looking for? Like, what are some of the big projects that that you're working on that you want people to know about? Oh gosh, we have um, a lot happening on the east side of our town now. So our community, we've just done a lot downtown and now we're focused there. So um, people who are familiar with Pheasant Run, that's um, oh. under contract. And, yep, it's almost gone, though, which is sad for many people, but 
we're for, we're hopeful for what's to come. <laughs> so, uh, is there? Do you have any hints? As having performed at Zany's in at the St. Charles Pleasant Moment Resort, I know it was such a great venue. Uh, the Baker's daughter was a Baker's was a Baker's daughter. The Baker's wife. That restaurant was incredible. And then they had oh, that, gosh, yeah. And then there was a one after that. Harvest, I think, was the second restaurant. Oh yeah, Harvest was the one that was last there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that theater. It was just beautiful. So, do we have any hints as to what might be replacing that that massive uh, location? So not yet. It's under contract. We're hopeful that it'll be some sort of mixed use. But with the airport so close, it can't be residential. So we think that um, we'll get some commercial use there, which is really great for our city, too, in front of, um, you know, it's been uh, vacant for so long. And with the fire we had not too long ago, it's just been unfortunate. So we're happy that it's going to turn into something soon. That's wonderful. Well, it's always great to check in with you, and whenever time uh, allows. Well, first of all, hopefully I'll be out there soon and performing at the Moonlight Theater or out there for another event. Because uh, I just I love that neighborhood, that, that community. It's just so much fun. Again, we've, we've been talking to Mayor Laura Vidak. What website would you recommend folks visit in order to learn more about the work you do and uh, upcoming events and uh, other goings on in St. Charles? Oh, sure. It's stcharlesil.gov, and you can find out everything about St. Charles there. Outstanding. Be well, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon, Mayor. So great talking to you. Thank you, Patty. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Let's take a break here. Thank you. We'll take a break here. I'll get your phone calls when we come back. 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal, WCPTA 20. My friend Marty, he wants to split the party. He wants blue folks and red states to vote green. Can see his point though I really gotta say no we can't have another 2016 it seems nothing beats orange nothing even freaking rhymes with it what's a battered nation supposed to do his royal orange highness he does love to divide us we gotta stick together and vote blue when I recycle I'm green green as green can be I do my level best yes it's true but when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. Don't think I'm a hater. I love Ralph Nader. I don't blame him for the mess in Y2K. With those who represent us, I'm playing the percentages. Voting blue down the ticket all the way. When I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. And I drive a freaking Prius, yes, it's true. And it's blue. But when I'm voting this election, the best eco-protection is to kick the orange out. Gotta vote blue. The greens throw all this crazy map at me. But I'm tired of the whole world having a good laugh at me. <laughs> when I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. And in the primary, I voted for Bernie, too. But we need some peace and harmony, so I'm voting for our nominee. And if you need to hold your nose, just do. That's cool, I'll even hold your nose for you. Just vote blue, vote blue, vote blue, vote blue, vote blue, vote blue, vote blue. You gotta vote blue. Okay, I know the phone lines are lighting up to uh, address some things that Chad said. I will play uh, exactly what Biden said. And then uh, because uh, Chad was pointing to this audio, hold on a second, let me pull it up. And uh, and he listen to what he says. 
It's so funny. He's not asking. I think that this might have been a misspeak, uh, but he, it, it, because Chad doesn't think I'm going to play it, or, or I, I think that we should listen to it. If, if but if we're going to go back, because at that time I want to say this, because God, I just got so angry because there. Are, in addition to pulling up this, a bunch of other things from 2020 came up. I will tell you this: that during the debate between Joe Biden and President then President Trump, who was in the middle of a pandemic, Trump said that the surges were over, that uh, that getting COVID nineteen was an that was a cure for it was like an like he the things that he said in the debate and you want to okay you want to grab onto this hold on I would in fact make sure that there is we immediately surge we immediately the border surge. all the those border. people are seeking asylum they deserve to be heard that's who we are we're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression you should come yeah he said and by the way he said we should surge but at any rate if we want to we'll go down this rabbit hole. Uh, I can go through and uh, and point out all the. This was when the president of the United States was telling us that the 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 pandemic was over, that uh, it wasn't that big of a deal, that kids weren't giving their teachers uh, COVID, all these things. So if we want to lock into that one thing, he said we should surge the border. Which you know, if we we should surge the border with support with with uh, with funding with a kind of and, and he didn't say all of that, but he didn't say they should surge. He said we should. And I, I think we should surge the border. We should surge the border with whatever it takes to make sure we are doing this as legally as possible, as safely as possible for both the people that that are on the border who are coming across the border. Yeah. You know what? I'm with him. Let's surge the border. I, America, let's surge the border and do everything we can to make sure that everyone is safe. Those that live here and those that are coming here seeking safety. Dave, I'll go to you first. I think you've been on hold the longest. Oh. Hi, Dave. Okay, thank you. Yeah, when you were mentioning about that congressman, whatever, you know, coming in in the wheelchair or whatever to, to do that vote. Uh, well, Al Green, yes. Yeah, well, uh, Speaker Johnson, he shouldn't be pointing fingers and speaking if they recall back Many, many moons ago when they wheeled in Strom Thurmond on a gurney with right. <laughs> like yeah. a string and a, lift his arm up to vote. Or or better yet, about 20 years ago when uh, in that uh, hospital room face-off there when uh, John Ashcroft, that time in uh, Alberto Gonzalez, trying to get him to sign off or whatever on that warrantless eavesdropping. And um, I believe, I think Mueller and him were even in that room. That there's a thankfully that they were there because if because uh, Ashcroft had gotten in for that um, uh, appendicitis surgery, you know, and he, you know, he was wanting to put an end to that warrantless stuff. And Gonzalez and um, Andy Card and them guys, they they wanted to keep it up, you know, for Trump or for Bush, G.W. Bush that time. I don't know if you recall. I don't. What was it? Okay. Remind me. John Ashcroft and uh, Alberto Gonzalez. Right. And he wanted, you know, they wanted to keep up with NSA's warrantless wiretapping or eavesdropping. Oh, sure, with, uh, all under the guise of keeping Americans safe. Yes. Right. And uh, and they wanted to get him at his weakest moment when he's in the in the hospital room. You know. <laughs> so, you know, so that's uh, he shouldn't be pointing fingers on that. No. You know. I- uh, about a, a Democrat going in to vote, you know, so 
Hey, do you think uh, Tucker Carlson's going to have dinner with uh, Edward Snowden? Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's just bizarre to me that the everyone's you know someone posted that he should uh, he should be able to go and interview uh, Putin, you know, and keep his job. And it's okay. And and what's your point? So I can't make a comment about it. <laughs> and and then you yeah, make your well, comment, and then I'll make another comment, and here we are. I got to run, Dave. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Patty. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Roosevelt, second longest on hold. Hey, Roosevelt, what's on your mind? Have you cooled down a little bit? Hey, Patty, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> of course. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, uh, you know, this is what I notice about the conversation you had with Chad. I believe his name is Chad. Right. And that, the technique he used, he pulled a Fox News technique. Let me tell you what that is. He called up, in my opinion, with an agenda. He wanted to make sure that to call you Google Queen. He did it twice, not just once. Okay, so calling out, calling you names, the technique. It's also a Trump technique. Also, the most used technique on Fox News and Trump is this: they say something. Then they take it back. They don't apologize. I noticed this guy didn't apologize to you for saying that these guys, these people were getting $9,000. But he, 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 he threw it out there, just like Fox News does, and just like Trump does. As recent as, as uh, last week, when Trump said not to make uh, any deals with Biden, I mean, not to make Biden look good, yep. and not to work with the Democrats. That's why I can't so imagine. Can you technique. can you imagine sitting across from somebody uh, during an interview and they say that the January six uh, con- convicts are all uh, hostages and prisoners of war or whatever it was she said? Can you imagine just sitting there and like letting that slide? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, and and here's another thing too. I mean, here's the thing: the conversation to be taken further, to be taken further from the point of this. I think it's a coincidence that we're going to have the Democratic convention here and this is happening. This was planned by Republican, and that's what I'm referring to. We had never had a problem with Venezuelans. We don't even have a Venezuelan community in Chicago yet. We had uh, Abbott from Texas sending him here. Now, as recent as what, a month, a month and a month and a half ago, Trump visited Texas. Now, what do you think they talked about? Do you think Trump said, "Hey, listen, you got to stop these people. You got to help out. You got to, you got to, you know, don't let these people in." No, he t- he probably told them, "Let them in. Let them look bad. Let Chicago right. look bad." Notice, notice the history that Chicago has with Trump. He doesn't set foot oh. in Chicago. Oh, yeah, anytime he wants to bring. You remember? No, no, not only that. Remember, he said it was too scary. We had to cancel our our rally at UIC. I was I was in front of the pavilion. I was on Harrison, and Harrison was wide open. There were no protesters on that street. The cops did a magnificent job of making sure there was a clear shot, a clear path to the pavilion. I was outside. The bigger danger was the people trying to get in and the people then trying to get out. It was insane. Anyway, yes. And the other thing was he said that he was going to fix Chicago's violence. Remember? He said that. that they week. never care about the accountability part. Yeah. Yeah, in a week. But let me spread it further back to the this gentleman that called you. So he called up one of the general call to call your names and to use that old technique of 
uh, saying something, not apologizing for it, but saying something, and it's already out there. So people are going to hear that. They're going to believe him because, you know, he put it out there. He didn't apologize. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute. You no, know? he said the number so, didn't matter. Essentially, he said the, the number didn't, didn't matter. matter. See? Yep. You see, how, see how everything was switched? And he, he controlled the situation as far as changing the, the facts, according to him. So he called up on an agenda. Now, I call up on an agenda, and here's an agenda. Uh, Monday morning quarterback, that's what you had. That's what, who you were dealing with. It's easy to look back and say, well, they should do this, they should do that, they should do this, they should do that. But the point is, we never had a problem with Venezuela and Chicago, meaning that this was done intentional. We have to start where the problem started getting to the point that private planes are landing in Chicago from Texas. And you mentioned that before, from San Antonio, where the Catholic uh, Church used money from um, Homeland Security to send people over here. So it's overwhelming. And then, and then it's easy to complain, say, well, you know, I, but see, the, the, you know how are you going to help these people? But the point I'm trying to make is, we don't have a border with with Mexico. Texas does. Texas gets federal funding. We haven't well, gotten federal funding. I see what you're saying. I mean, but, right. I mean, Texas is the United States. It is our, and that's why the Supreme Court ruled, and Texas is trying to say that they have their own jurisdiction over the border and does not want the federal government to be involved, which then, what we, you know, then, then what are we supposed to do? And, and, and do you think it really helps? And then this is Tom Hartman said this quite a while back, and he said he there was a study done since Clinton. Every time that there's a Democratic president, the Republican says there's a crisis at the border. You know, so do you think it helped the situation when they went to the border recently? What was it last week, two weeks ago? And that's not something new, because I believe Cruz has been there at least two or three times before. Right. Remember that. I know. So, Roosevelt, so I'm way past my time. I, I thought you were going to be able to wrap right. it up there, but I, I'm, I'm going 30 over. Thank okay. you so I'm much, Roosevelt. Like this. It's a Thank tough you. one. Thank you. Take yeah. care, Roosevelt. More after this on WCPT 820. Heartland Signal. Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases. The folks refusing to wear masks, says. And politicians getting caught grabbing ass, says. She's driving it home with Patty Hey, everybody. It is time to check in with our favorite Wisconsin- Wisconsinite. Is that what you guys go by, Wisconsinites? That doesn't sound right. Wisconsinians? What do you go by? Wisconsinites. You had it right the first Wisconsinites. Time. I like Okay. Wisconsinites. It's Dan Schaefer, the publisher and writer for the Recombobulation area. Uh, let me just get, let's just get sports out of the way uh, uh, right out of the gate. I believe that you said you could not cheer for the, which team? The Niners, right? You couldn't cheer for them? Yeah, not cheering for the Niners. Okay. So, but, no, they, but, they keep beating the Packers every uh, every postseason. Uh, so, so I'm not cheering for them. But, you know, uh, I, I guess we'll back the Chiefs. I guess we'll back the Chiefs. <laughs> you guess. So Begrudgingly. Fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What uh, what is so okay? The uh, the maps came out. You guys had a deadline of last Thursday, I believe, was when we last left this. And of course, uh, there was a lot of back and forth. Republicans were saying that this is going to be a, a very uh, liberal, left leaning map. And it turns out they actually all skew slightly conservative. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So 
basically what happened last week, we had this, uh, this you know, as this redistricting process has unfolded, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled in December that the maps are unconstitutional, so we're, we're getting new maps uh, one way or another in the state of Wisconsin. And what happened last week was that there were six map submissions that went to some court-appointed consultants who are experts in redistricting. Uh, have, you know, both of them have, have weighed in on redistricting processes uh, all over the country over the past few years. Uh, and they're overseeing this process. Basically, what they said is kind of what we've been saying at the Recombobulation Area for the past few weeks, which is that the map submissions from legislative Republicans in Wisconsin are the one clear outlier. Uh, they basically just didn't do the assignment and submitted basically the same map that was just struck down, and that was identified as a clear partisan gerrymander with a huge, overwhelming slant towards Republicans. No surprise to anyone who has listened to uh, listened to me on this show or read the Recombobulation Area. Uh, the other kind of right-leaning map uh, that was submitted uh, by a uh, uh, right-wing group called the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, uh, they also, they you know, they at least did the assignment and created a new map and uh, did some things to meet the court's criteria, but did not do... Uh, a good enough job to draw a map that was politically neutral. As we all know, Wisconsin is about as 50-50 as it gets uh, as a purple state. And uh, their map, even the map that they tried to make a little bit better than they had, still was going to result in about a 60-40 map for the state of Wisconsin. So basically what the report said was that the two Republican submissions uh, were were clear partisan gerrymanders, and the four that were uh, brought forth two by uh, two by Democrats, two by kind of left leaning uh, law firms, and, and other parties involved uh, had said that their maps not only were they not you know gerrymanders in favor of Democrats, but the experts found that they even had a slight Republican bias on the majority of those maps. Uh, so the two sides here clearly not the same. We have the Republicans trying to draw themselves, you know, a, a two-thirds supermajority with the maps, and Democrats and other left-leaning groups trying to get closer to the 50-50 split that is, that is kind of indicative of where Wisconsin politics is and has been in recent years. So, um, you know, I, I wrote a column about this at the Recombobulation Area uh, with the headline, one, Wisconsin is one step closer to fairer maps. And I think this is a very interesting kind of signpost uh, in the process here that Wisconsin is going along uh, with these experts weighing in on what's going to happen next. And so uh, the court will, will ultimately be the one to, uh, to decide uh, on these maps. But I think it's clear that there is a real change coming to Wisconsin. And boy, not a moment too soon. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Wisconsin because I, I, I've been talking for the last several weeks about states all over the country that are low, that, that are basically just destroying child labor law protections that have been in place for decades. And Wisconsin is one of those places. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, not just that, but of course, whether it's abortion legislation or child Childcare, all the things that uh, that are important to you know make sure that people have the services and the support they need in, in line. Uh, and Republicans just do not in Wisconsin do not want to budge at all to do the right thing by their constituents, by voters, by just human beings. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a while, right, to to right the ship. But if Michigan's any indication, it can be done, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think we see in poll after poll in Wisconsin, the 
be on the issues. Democrats win on the issues, uh, when it, whether it's abortion rights or marijuana legalization or Medicaid expansion. You know, so you see all these different maps showing uh, which states have gone which directions on certain policies. And Wisconsin over and over and over again is this island in the Midwest of like far, you know, where, where Republicans are governing, where it's kind of this they're acting like it's this deep red state when, when it's just clearly uh, not the case. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that shapes uh, the election landscape uh, for the state legislature this year, uh, how that shakes things up. Because right now we have uh, a situation where in our 99 seat state assembly, we have 64 Republicans and 35 Democrats. You know, it's so ridiculously lopsided. And I think if we get something closer to 50 50, it's going to be the most competitive state legislature election landscape that we've seen in Wisconsin in a generation. So I think, you know, we're going to hopefully we'll see, you know, more candidates trying to speak to those issues that the majority of Wisconsinites agree on. And we saw, you know, some more indicators of that uh, today in the in the Marquette University Law School poll. Uh, and we, we could talk about that as well. Yes. There's some interesting stuff. That, yeah, tell that me, came through there. yeah. Tell me about this poll. Uh, if we're head to head with between Biden and Trump and then head to head between Biden and Nikki Haley, I believe, is p- part of this polling, right? Yeah. So the Marquette, Marquette Law School poll is the kind of the gold standard poll. Uh, that we have in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I have written a breakdown of it. Uh, every new poll since I started the recombination area more than four years ago. Uh, so I'm very well versed in what's going on here, working on my breakdown uh, of those poll results right now. But I think, you know, the, the headline from it that I think the people, you know, nationwide were t- tuning in to see uh, was, you know, kind of where things are between, between Biden and Trump and surprise, surprise, Wisconsin, just as Wisconsin as ever, just showing a, uh, a com- absolute dead even race uh, between Biden and Trump at 49 to 49. Uh, so obviously, you know, that projects to, to kind of just be how things have been in Wisconsin in the last few election cycles where we're just, things are just incredibly, incredibly close uh, at the top of the ticket. That, that poll also showed, you know, head to head between Biden and Nikki Haley. That poll showing Nikki Haley up by 15 points. But at the same time, Nikki Haley is, I think, like 40 points behind Trump uh, in the uh, Republican primary in the state of Wisconsin. I think Trump was over 60 percent. Haley was somewhere between 20 and 25 percent. And so it's, you know, even if Haley is polling well. She's, she's not very likely to win the nomination, obviously. She's way, way, way behind uh, in the polling uh, in the primary in Wisconsin. So definitely, you know, some interest there uh, to see kind of where things are. But uh, ultimately, I think, you know, the Biden-Trump number is the one to focus on. And, and that is as expected in Wisconsin. You could say it, you know, two years two years ago, you could say it two weeks before Election Day. Wisconsin's a toss-up. It's always going to be a toss-up. What uh, what are your thoughts on Nikki Haley? This is aside from just in general, uh, because I kind of want her to stay in the race as long as possible. How do you feel? Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, just to put to put pressure on Trump. Um, you know, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of her policies. Right. Uh, in any way, I think she I think it's interesting. She kind of, you know, speaks to that never Trumpy center right type of lane within the Republican Party. But at the same time, you know, she was part of the Trump administration. She was part of the, you know, part of the disaster that we had for 
four years. And, and I think you know, part of the, the brand that she cultivates in a way is kind of a return to the Bush era Republican Party, which uh, I don't I, I know there's some, you know, some liberals who have, have a rosier view of, of George W. Bush in retrospect. I do not count me among them. No. Uh, I think he was just an absolute disaster as well. So, you know, it's uh, I think she is the type of politician that maybe would have would have done better 15 years ago uh, in that type of Republican Party, not after the uh, the MAGA takeover uh, that that has taken place in the Republican Party in recent years. Interesting point. You mean her instead of a Sarah Palin? Because, you know, she's I mean, although the experience that she has developed has been because she served with Trump and obviously as the governor of South Carolina. And I also think keeping her in the race would be smart for Republicans in case, God forbid, uh, not God forbid as far as convictions go, but a healthy, I'm just saying, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea, but one, to at least let us know what the policies on the right are, well, at least some ideas, uh, and, then, and then also to challenge uh, Trump and maybe make him a little bit crazy on social media in the middle of the night. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I guess, you know, I think in Wisconsin we've seen some of these contentious Republican primaries uh, lead to kind of a fractured Republican Party once it gets to, you know, the general election time. You know, maybe maybe that's the case. But I, I just think, you know, the Nevada result uh, last night, Nikki Haley losing to what was it, the, the first thing, the no candidate uh, on the ballot in Nevada. You know, just I just think Trump is just running away with this. And, and whether Haley lasts, you know, through to Super Tuesday or not, I think, you know, I think people are, are expecting Trump to be the nominee. And, you know, the RNC will be in Milwaukee uh, this summer. I think people are starting to realize what has been the most likely outcome uh, throughout this whole process, which would be that Trump is going to be the one giving that convention speech in Milwaukee in July. Yep, I agree with you on that. God, I can't believe it's uh, it's coming up. Uh, I have another question, and this is from our, our producer. Andy was asking, do you think that there'll be, uh, do you think Mike Gallagher is going to be censured by the Wisconsin State Party and primaried because he uh, did not vote to impeach uh, Secretary Mayorkas? Yeah, interesting vote uh, by, by Representative Gallagher. Um, and I saw, you know, some some real blowback uh, from Republicans in Wisconsin online today. You know, mad that he sided with Democrats, mad that he was, uh, you know, didn't vote to impeach Mayorkas. Um, you know, I saw that the Wisconsin College Republicans and they put out a statement saying that they would back a primary challenge uh, against Gallagher. Uh, a number of other, you know, kind of the MAGA world uh, voices speaking out uh, against Gallagher. As well, you know, he he is one of those. Uh, he he is has run really strong in his district uh, in northeastern Wisconsin and kind of the Green Bay uh, and northeast area. He's, he's you know he's kind of run ahead of the top of the ticket in, in a lot of ways. So I think he is, and he decided not to run for Senate this year. You know, he was one of the names that was bandied about as a potential challenge to Tammy Baldwin. Uh, as she runs for re-election this year, he decided not to do that. Uh, so I think, to a certain extent, Gallagher is is pretty insulated. You know, it might be interesting make things make things a little thorny for him uh, in a primary. But uh, but I you know I think he uh, uh, I think he wins over some independent voters, and that's a part of the state where there are a lot of independent voters. Uh, so I think he's he's pretty safe uh, up there in his district. 
Excellent. There you go. <laughs> Figures. <laughs> It'll be interesting, uh, certainly. And by the way, I got another text uh, from another uh, collaborator on the show. Uh, we, th- I thought I covered the sports, but apparently you guys had a, a trade. Uh, your, Cy- your former Cy Young winning uh, starting pitcher, Bur- Corbin Burns, is going to the Orioles. I, I don't know how, that, how you're feeling about that. Is that uh, causing concern? Yeah, I think we all expected Burns to get traded this offseason. Uh, it's a bummer. It's just I, it, I hate the way Major League Baseball is set up like this, where it's like you have this homegrown player who does really well, and then inevitably he's going he's gonna to end up in a bigger market. It's just uh, this seems to be a story we've seen time and time again in Milwaukee. So not, not all that surprised, uh, but, uh, but a little disappointed. Would have liked to see at least one more season with Burns in Milwaukee. <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, and I love talking about baseball because it means that warm weather is right around the corner. That makes me happy. That's right. Yes. Excellent. That's right. The Groundhog Day. We're past Groundhog Day. Yep. We've got, you know, 40-degree weather here in Milwaukee today. It's, uh, it's what, what is it they always call it, like, false spring. People yeah. will talk about it in the Midwest. It's false spring right now, and then it'll, we'll, it'll probably, like, snow next week or something like that. Who knows? We're rounding the corner. That's right. That's, That's excellent. right. Excellent. What are you working on for the next uh, recombobulation area? Yeah, well, I'm going to be digging into those poll results today, you know, not just the Biden-Trump stuff, but there's some really interesting stuff uh, about the uh, the Wisconsin State Legislature and Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. Um, you know, Robin Voss has only a 17% favorability rating uh, in that poll. The Wisconsin State Legislature had its lowest approval rating. I think on record uh, since the Marquette poll has started. So, and, and I think with that happening along the same time that you know the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, struck down the maps, I think uh, I think it's a really tells a really interesting story about the mounting dissatisfaction that there is uh, for the for the legislature in Wisconsin. So. Uh, Definitely check that one out. I'll also be podcasting with Charles Franklin, the poll director uh, from the Marquette Poll. So if you've got any questions, uh, feel free to jump into the comment section at the Recombobulation Area. I'll ask away. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dan. Follow Dan on Twitter, Dan Schaefer, the easy spelling, S-H-A-F-E-R. And uh, sign up for the Recombobulation Area. We're always grateful to talk to you, Dan. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much, Patty. You too. Take care. More after this. Actually, if you guys want to call in, I know that we had a few callers on hold that wanted to respond to Chad, who has been texting quite a bit and uh, is pointing to an article from October of 23 saying that Illinois is providing $9,000, and the headline is there, $9,000 in rental assistance. And in that article, it actually does not provide the source for that. And then the only other uh, news outlets that picked that up were Epoch Times, which is a far-right conservative. Conservative newspaper, and then the Daily, uh, which is a UK publication, they basically just regurgitated the Fox News, which, by the way, uh, has a lot of folks, including Anita Padilla, who said she's leaving for Florida because she's tired of the liberal media. She was working with Fox News, so there in this article, uh, it does not. It, it says the state is providing up to nine thousand dollars up to, by the way, up to $9,000 in rental assistance over a six-month period. And there's nothing else there per person, per family, per location. Is that, and, and also, that is not given to the asylum seekers. That is processed. And again, this goes back to my issue with transparency and accountability, is that it's being paid to contractors and landlords. And that's I have an issue with that. But it is not being given. Once again, none of that is going directly to asylum seekers. And, we've, and that so essentially goes into the same conversation I was having 
which is how are we tracking the money that is being spent and is it being spent wisely? Because we already know that tent cities were started and then taken down because they weren't safe. So no, there are. So yes, to my original point, no, asylum seekers are not being given that would be an exchange. They are not being given. And yes, I do think we should surge the border with support services and funding to make sure that the policies we have there for legal immigration are in place. So let's surge the border from the United States with funding, with support for our law enforcement and for making sure that there is safe passage for people who are coming here, whether it's uh, to come to the United States for uh, refuge, for immigration, if they need to be turned around, that too. So there you go. That answers your question. 773-763-9278 to join the conversation. And hello to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF. 950 AM. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are uh, continuing our conversation. There's See, there's so many other things going on that I can't even get to everything because uh, there's just news happening constantly. But I will say, look, my uh, my interest in making sure that we have we I support ref, I, I support immigration reform. I don't I, and I think we've been talking about it for years. So to say that uh, Democrats never want to talk, I feel like we talk about it every day. I feel like we talk about how uh, how much there needs to be a solution. There needs to be support for the people who are doing the work down in Texas, whether it's lawyers trying to process people who are coming across the border. Law enforcement needs to be safe and and be able to do their job. Uh, on the other hand, you know, using people, using human beings as a political toy, as just uh, pawns in a game to make cities look bad. Again, this is this was a question I asked yesterday. How is that an agenda to own the libs, to be anti-woke? I mean, that that's essentially on a grand scale what Governor Abbott is doing. He's like, you're so woke. Take these human beings and we're not going to even let them know where they're going. We're not going to make sure they have any sort of connections in the towns that we're sending them to. We won't even bother with making sure they have the bare essentials of going into cold weather. Fortunately, it does seem as though there is a, a bit of a um, slowdown in the volume of people that are being sent to Chicago, New York, Denver. However, I, I do echo the concerns that other people have is that once it, t- it becomes warm and as we get closer to the uh, Democratic convention, I mean, why, why? Why would you why is this something that, that people are so eager to do uh, to hurt people? Um, we've had a, a young a, a child who died. And again, I am not uh, taking the side of the people that are necessarily implementing these policies because I, I'm disappointed in a lot of folks. Um, I think that there has to be, uh, I wish, and in part is because of the scramble, but now we are more than a year into this and we need to be doing better and, and uh, we need to know the money is being spent in a way that has a positive impact on people who are coming here, people who live here, and uh, I support that completely. But I, uh, uh, you know, if my, again, I'm going to come back to, uh, you know, for when we head into this election, I how do you stand behind a rapist and go, this seems like a good idea? He's a rapist, amongst other things. 
He's an absolute con man and a grifter. And to continue to to try to find uh, excuses for why, uh, you know, the the things that that could be done better. Absolutely. But when we when it comes to how our economy is doing, uh, the direction that we are headed, I am ready for another four years of President Joe Biden. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I say that without any any hesitancy whatsoever. And uh, I'm looking forward to this election season. And I hope that you guys are, are pacing yourselves and uh, gearing up for, you know, talking to your family, your friends. And, and look, with with a level head, with clear eyes, right? Uh, it's, it is hard not to get sucked into an argument. Uh, I don't have patience for um, repetitiveness. Uh, by the way, if Rose, I know Roosevelt's listening. He want, uh, Chad wants to know what names you were calling. And, and there is a, a dim, dim, dismissiveness when you call someone a queen. Right. It's just built into that. What else? What else have been called queens? Right. Well, how else do we use that term in a derogatory way when it comes to providing social services or wanting to help people? What, what else is that attached to? So think about that, because I certainly uh, don't try to dismiss callers by uh, basically just putting them in a box like that. I, I mean, I used to, when I was at another station, there was a, a caller who used to call me kiddo. And, uh, and I never heard him say that to any other, any other guy hosts. And so I called him pumpkin. <laughs> hey, pumpkin. You know, it just, it just cause it's like, it, it, because kiddo is a way of saying, uh, you know, you don't know as much as I do. Hey, you, you know, you, and, and it doesn't have to be taken that way, but we're having a conversation. If we are, you know, uh, on equal ground, there's no reason to resort to using any sort of a diminutive name, uh, or to, to you know, be dismissive, uh, because I say that I'm, I'm fast at looking for information. I'm also, the reason I do that and I'm, I feel confident and I feel good about it, uh, is because I'm, I, I'm trained as a researcher. So I know how to ask the right questions when I'm doing a search uh, to find the information that I need. And that's why I know that when a source only comes from one conservative outlet and that is repeated only by conservative outlets, I mean, not not any anything, no other, not even the Tribune carried that. And the Tribune it leans a little bit to the right and they didn't even run with that number. So uh, there is nothing in that story about that, that m- amount of money being spent or given to migrants uh, monthly. And uh, I just, just want to say that. Oh, here, there's Paul from uh, real quick before we go to the break. Paul, you waited almost too long. Now I got to go again. I have another guest in a minute. What do you want to say? <laughs> That's not my night. I tried to open it up for you and I don't know if you I just hung back. Okay. This, this, uh, I'll, I'll do it in a, uh, so, this means that people can get up, up to fifteen hundred dollars a month. They right? don't, but they don't get nine thousand dollars no, in six months, they, right? Right, but they don't get it. The landlords. No, they don't get it. No. Right, the land, the landlord gets it. Yes, but okay. Is there any place? Okay, look, look at it this way. Are there any places? People think apparently that's. Because I don't know where you can get a, a joint for for less than that. But let's say there was. Are there places like where uh, somebody could get a a room uh, for five hundred a month in Chicago? I can't imagine. In other words, and what kind of room is that? And do you want places like that in your city? That's like cockroach and everything's falling down. I mean, is that the kind of urban decay that you want? So that when people come, or do you just want these people to get out of here? Because I know one thing is that they may qualify for that. And we also didn't talk about what the what the process is, what the application process is. But I know this much. Anybody who walks a thousand miles to get here is ready to work. Right. 
They're in shape, and they will be. Which they is, won't need that money in less than six months. They will be well because it will be based on their but, be based on their but, income. But their problem, the problem there is that pathway to getting a permit to work. So then we're we're stuck in that loop again as well. So. You know, this the situation with what we are spending is created in part because Republicans keep saying the borders are open. Right. So people and look, when Reagan, I had a listener who texted in about Reagan saying uh, providing a pathway to, to citizenship, which then created, uh, you know, a, a surge, I guess, you know, come, we're going to well, let's go to the United States. At any rate, uh, it is there's well, so look, many different moving as parts. As far as that this. goes, though, as far as that goes, when did when did immigration become an issue because Reagan passed an immigration bill in 86 and it became an issue after 9-11 when George, this is the Republicans wanted to blame the Democrats for open borders when they're the ones who let the terrorists in at 30,000 feet. That those, that they didn't come through the Southern border. They just wanted to make everybody with a department of Homeland security. Everybody has to be paranoid because the people that, were, that, that attacked our country came in with, with proper uh, papers they didn't sneak in across the border, but that's when it became an issue. Patty, when I was in the ninth grade, we used to study. I remember studying the migrant workers. I was like, well, why do we have those? Well, because they work for cheap. And I'm like, but why? Because it's really hot out there and picking fruits and vegetables isn't easy. And I was like, but, but that should make it more expensive. They should get more money, shouldn't they? Well, see, Americans don't do those jobs. I'm like, but why don't they? It's just like, and suddenly... They're not welcome after the Republicans let their, all their interference brought an attack upon us. And that's when it became an issue after 9-11. Interesting. I, yeah. I mean, I remember it happening even before in the 90s. But, uh, you know, you're right. I think it definitely accelerated under the, under the Bush administration because I had a com- I'm a comic uh, for folks who don't know. I'm a stand up comic. And my manager asked me after 9-11 when the, there was all this uh, very uh, you know, very uh, vehement uh, backlash against migrants. Yeah. Uh, he asked me if I wanted, yeah. if I would consider changing my last name because it was hard to get me work in certain comedy clubs in certain parts of the country because there was so much animosity against Latinos. Uh, so, just uh, wanted to throw that out there. I've got to run, Paul. Thank you so much. Okay. Take Thanks. care. Uh, coming coming up in just a moment, we have we have a guest joining us. Uh, I'm so thrilled to to connect with folks all over the country who are doing so much of the the heavy lifting as we head into this election year. And coming up at in just a few moments, we're going to talk to Jeannie Diaz, who's the founding director for Arkansas People, spearheading abortion rights ballot measure in Arkansas. So let's find out more about that when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 9:50 a.m. Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to meet our next guest. Jenny Diaz joins us. Jenny, I apologize for getting your name incorrect uh, as I was introducing you earlier. Hey, Jenny, how you doing? Hey, I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, no, thank you. I, I have been, um, you know, we, we follow a lot of stories in legislatures around the country here at uh, Heartland Signal and, and WCPT. And it, it is maddening to see so many legislators around the country just say the most horrible things when it comes to women, to mm. girls. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Arkansas for, uh, for Arkansas people. Well, our organization, we are kind of the, the bee in the bonnet of our very uh, egregious state legislature. So they, they don't like seeing us around because it means we're, we're telling the public, uh, namely residents and voters, uh, what it is that they're up to. So uh, we like to lurk around the Capitol halls and attend committee meetings. 
And really the bread and butter of what we do is we connect the dots between uh, policy and how it impacts people's lives. So we have a we have a busy job. We're, we're always busy. And so this is um, are you the you're the founding director. So this was a, a collaboration with some folks in the, in, in the community. When, when did this start? We started um, right around, uh, well, in, in the thick of COVID, 2020, um, and really the, the impetus for getting started was that um, our then-Governor, Asa Hutchinson, said that uh, COVID was an excuse to, to vote absentee, um, and we were able to acquire some funding to invest in some PSA messaging statewide uh, to let Arkansans know how to actually vote absentee. It's a really cumbersome process like it is in other states. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure that our Kansans who were choosing that option knew how to do it correctly. And then on the back end, we spent a lot of time ensuring that those absentee ballots were counted. So, um, and in one of the, one of the races that we worked in, or not a race, but one of the counties we worked in rather, uh, we, we had some poll watchers deployed to hold election commissioners accountable to counting those votes. And because of that work, we ended up changing the outcome of one of the legislative races. So since then, um, they have had their eyes on us as much as we've had our eyes on them. So, yeah. <laughs> Wow. And you guys do a lot of great work. I love the website that you kind of you give people also the tools to whether, you know, whether it's to formulate the the uh, the messaging or understand what is being put out there, like propaganda. Tell us a little bit about that and how and what you want people to know about not just their voting rights, but how to be informed and engaged. Well, I mean, we, we believe that anonymity is really what most of our elected leaders like to hide behind. Unfortunately, it's, it's not, it's not accessible to everyday people to pay attention to the ins and outs of everything that goes on at a state capitol. I mean, we can't expect that for most people. So we step in, we take all of that information, we condense it, we repackage it. We put it in front of people where they see their information. And we feel strongly uh, in the instance of disinformation and misinformation, you know, the truth, I've, I've heard this said before, um, that the truth lives behind a paywall, but disinformation and misinformation is free and it's oh, viral. Yes. So we have so much work to do to combat it. So that's that's why we exist. And, you know, it's it's a 24-7 job. We, we work well beyond an election cycle. We, we do this year-round, um, and we have our work cut out for us. Let me ask you this, because uh, I, I will carry over something that happened in the last half hour, because and look, I, I will admit that uh, on this station, we we tend to have these progressive conversations and and we do have issues in mind that we want to amplify and support when it comes to abortion rights, voting rights, all these issues. But if someone were to tell you that their sources for media were Fox News, Epic Times and the New York Post, what would you think that their uh, leanings might be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that they lean pretty far to the right and that maybe they're Arkansan, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no, this is Chicago one. No, we, we have a, that, that was the, uh, the citations for um, throwing like some uh, issues out there. And I was like, ah! and, and then it just stopped there. I mean, if you look for the story, the storyline, it's like that, that's where it ends is with all far right leaning. Mm. And not that, you know, we should also you shouldn't also just be in the same bubble when it comes to uh, liberal issues. Right. Know what's going on. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, 
yeah, we believe in that too. We we don't tell people how to think. We just break down what is happening and empower them with the tools they need to be able to think for themselves. And that's that's really what it comes down to is is being able to think for yourself and, and what motivates you. And and that's what's so hard for me is is that when people's uh, motivation seems to be owning the libs or saying things like cry harder, you know those those it's just it's so weird to me that that's where we've come in trying to accomplish things that are fundamentally help people. Don't you think? Absolutely. And that, honestly, is the crux of our problem here in Arkansas. We have a lot of leaders who are trying to solve uh, problems, uh, you know, provide solutions for problems that don't exist, really. And they, they spend a lot of time owning the libs and not a lot of time addressing issues that are impacting Arkansans day in and day out. They're not trying to pass policies that are going to tangibly improve the lives of Arkansans. And that's why we get loud about this is because people need to know that about their elected leaders. And then they need to know that they are actually empowered uh, to, one, hold them to account, not just year round, but also at the ballot box. Absolutely. And that's and to be engaged. You know, I I do believe that uh, being an American, being a citizen of the United States does have responsibility. And and it's not just for ourselves. It's whether it's for our communities, for our kids, you know, moving forward. A vote is what what do you want to see in the world? And for me, it's it's helping people and, and being able to work in the direction of government being as sound as possible. I'm not saying we don't have a lot of issues we need to iron out, but it's been this back and forth that has caused a lot of a lot lot of uh, just it, 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 un, in unsustainable uh, p- patterns of uh, of how things are administered, don't you think? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's what it comes out to. So how can we help you? What you have? Uh, you guys need to gather some signatures. So if we have folks in Arkansas, what can we do to help? Oh, my goodness. Yes, we need anyone and everyone. Uh, send us your help in Arkansas. We have a, a gargantuan task ahead of us. We have... Um, miraculously uh, got certified a a constitutional amendment, proposed constitutional amendment, ballot initiative style, so citizen-led, that would restore abortion access up to 18 weeks in the state, um, and then uh, unrestricted. And then after 18 weeks, we would allow abortion access in cases like fatal fetal anomaly, uh, health of the mother, life of the mother, of course, um, and rape and incest. We currently are under a full abortion ban in the state of Arkansas, the only exception being to save the life of a mother. And even that is uh, a sticky point for providers. I mean, we're we're talking about providers who are sending women out of state weekly uh, to seek abortion care in, in some of the most dire circumstances. We have uh, a healthcare desert in the state of Arkansas where half of our counties don't have labor and delivery providers. We have the highest maternal mortality mm. rate in the country. Um, and since the 90s, this, this statistic is staggering to me. Since the 90s, black maternal mortality has risen 110% in the state of Arkansas. Um, and then just to tie it all up in a really grim bow, uh, last year our state disenrolled over 420,000 Arkansans. We're, we're a state of three million, so that's a pretty substantial number. Uh, we did it in six months when the rest of the U.S. did it in 12 or 13 months. I don't know why we did that. That's just how backwards we can be sometimes. So the fact that we have this amendment certified by the attorney general and we are in the signature collection stage is absolutely phenomenal. We are thrilled. We're galvanized. And we have a really eager field team that is already, uh, you know, hitting the pavement and getting signatures. We need just over 90,000 
before July 5th, and we'll see this thing on the ballot in November. You know, earlier in the week, we had uh, Terry Cosgrove from uh, Personal Pack of Illinois and Brian Howard, who's with uh, Project 50. Have you uh, connected with them at all? Because they are their platform is to elect as many people as possible uh, and also get these uh, ballot initiatives out there. Have you worked with the Project 50? Not yet. I will say that my director, one of my one of my funders, um, you know, they they're a powerhouse uh, national, <laughs> you know, networkers, and I'm kind of the the boots on the ground director. Right. So I trust I trust the people at the top. But if you if you want to get a hold of us, please please email us. Please uh, check out arliberty.org. Drop us a line because we will take any and all help. It's going to be um, an uphill battle, but we know we can do it. We absolutely know we can, and, and we're going to, um, despite what the what the other side wants us to do. <laughs> it, it, we, it, this is so imperative. I, I know that for people, I, I worry that some of this becomes a little bit of background noise. And, and in Illinois, while we have some of the strongest laws, all of that means nothing if we don't succeed in the election in November. And I don't know if you saw this today. Um, our friend Jess Piper from Missouri posted this, that Republicans in Missouri have drafted an amendment to ban women for life from accessing Medicaid if they have ever, if they have ever had an abortion. That is, that is, uh, that's absolutely disgusting. I, I don't even have the words. I, I, I and I, I've, I've put out some scary scenarios for people before and I've been tut-tutted and that's kind of the, the issue too for the last several decades has been, oh, don't worry, Roe v. Wade isn't going anywhere. It's law of the land. Mm. It's precedent, all these things. And I've, I've asked people because there is no statute of limitation on murder. And if these people really believe in their hearts that that, that is what's happening, then all bets are off for any woman who has ever had to see reproductive health in her entire life. And I, and I really, this amendment highlights that more than anything I've ever seen as far as legislation being presented. It's completely egregious. Uh, I mean, Jess Piper, she's a, she's a great ally, I think, originally from Arkansas as well. And we, we follow her work very closely uh, here in our state. I know she's done a lot to, um, you know, educate and empower rural uh, Missourians on, on issues that matter to them. And I know that she's been, um, you know, at the front lines especially with abortion rights in Missouri. So I saw that she was able to sign um, their, their ballot initiative uh, amendment petition today or maybe yesterday. So we're, we're thrilled for them. And, and yeah, it's, I hear you about background noise. We, we don't want to, we don't want this to become background noise. And to be quite frank for people who live in this state and for women who live in Missouri, I mean, if you are of reproductive age and ability, if you are a woman or a girl or a person who is able to conceive, I mean, it is, Terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying for people who want to get pregnant, right. but they're scared. Complications. What, what What? if something goes wrong? It is terrifying for people who have unplanned, unplanned pregnancies, of course. It is terrifying for women who are just caring, uh, hopefully caring to turn their pregnancies. What if they have a, a medical emergency? I mean, and we do not ever want to dissuade anyone from seeking emergency care. Please hear me on that. If you need emergency care as an Arkansan, go to the hospital, go see your provider. Uh, but we feel for providers. They have their hands tied and day in and day out, they are I mean, they have they have the weight of the world on them. And I don't see how 
how we can't not do something to restore some access in this state and, and propose something that will be palatable to Arkansans, even as the quote-unquote self-most professed pro-life state in the country. We can, we can change this here, and we have to do it. We have to do it, and we have to do it now um, because, because people are, are going to die. I, I, absolutely. Have you come across folks who, because I, I remember when, when Roe v. Wade first fell, uh, this woman, one of my, uh, someone I had known from working out in the same gym, came up to me, like, eyes wide open. She knew what I, I do here at WCPT, and she was like, I, I what, what can I do? And, I, and like, so I think there are people who, I, I don't care when you're coming to this, uh, if you, you know, if this, if this is what lit the fire under you, uh, get involved. Uh, it, some people, I think, have regret that they weren't paying attention or didn't take it seriously, but people, women are are uh, are suffering, and some of them may never be able to have children again. We, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, any kind of health conditions that, or um, any complications that arise, and like even just women from Illinois, if they're traveling, it affects them. That's what people mm. don't take into consideration too. You, can, you, you have to, that's exactly right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we we have heard from. I mean, you think about it also in terms of how it impacts the economy, and we have a we have a governor right now who likes to tout that we are we are growing our state, that people are moving here from California, that they're like you know begging begging on doors to get into Arkansas. When, when the truth is, is that I mean, people are people are scared to move here, um, and when you think about top, you know, companies and the world's largest retailer and, you know, other businesses to attract talent at the top level. I mean, you, you are not going to get families and, and women to, to move to this state and you're not going to get providers to come here either. So it has a broad impact, uh, you know, beyond just the healthcare space. And, and that is something I think should propel more people to pay attention and to get involved. Absolutely. Again, the, the website for folks to learn more about the work that you're doing. ARLiberty.org. Please uh, sign up, donate. Um, any, any help that you can give will help us. We're a small state and every dollar goes pretty far here. Now, what are you doing to pace yourself? Because we mentioned that, you know, we, we want to make sure we, keep, we sustain <laughs> the energy. Like, What are you doing to take care of yourself through all of this? Oh, that is a sweet question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I think we we look at it as um, a marathon and a sprint simultaneously. I mean, obviously, we don't do this work alone. That is that is critically important that we share uh, we share the labor and we partner and delegate whenever we can we accept help whenever we can and we are we are building our coalition um, for this amendment in particular having more and more groups join and that helps us uh, you know share this share this burden a little bit um, and you know personally I think it it's sleeping it's prioritizing sleep it's prioritizing I'm with my two kids. Um, it's prioritizing going to watch a baseball game or sitting down and watching trash TV, whatever it is. You know, I take those moments when I can. Um, and when I can't, I, I, I try to plan them and I look forward to it. But, but again, you have to you have to have those moments. And I, uh, our friend Jerry, who uh, who contacted you, Jerry Walski, uh, tells me that you're a, a a bluegrass fan. And if I I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Jones, uh, who's a fan. He's also got a couple of radio shows on uh, on Sirius XM. He's a fantastic blues yes. musicians. Uh, it's Chris Jones and the Night Drivers, if I may recommend. Uh, he was actually on okay, our show last I week. Will yep. Love. I will absolutely listen. Thank you for the rec.
Absolutely. We've been talking to, to Jenny Diaz. Uh, I'm really, I'm so grateful for the work you're doing and I would love to check in with you again to see how it's going and what we can do to support you. Again, folks, go to 4arpeople.org. Uh, for folks who are like, AR, yeah, Arkansas, learn your state abbreviation, abbreviations. <laughs> is, there, is there anything you want to make sure that we know before I let you go? Oh, I just want to express uh, my gratitude. Thank you, Patty, for for having me on and for highlighting work in Arkansas. That means so much to us, and and we just really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, We we really appreciate the work you're doing. We know that this is uh, just so important, so vital to so many families. We talk about women and girls, but this is about all families. It's about our own economy, uh, our personal economies, and and our our very existence uh, in our communities uh, depends on people doing the hard work that you are doing. So thank you so much. Jenny, please thank everybody with your organization. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's take a break here, and we'll wrap up when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. stevegoody.com that's g-o-o-d-i-e and uh, very, uh, I'm very excited whenever we get to do a show together in person and uh, we do a virtual comedy show every Monday night virtualcomedyshow.com we'd love to have you join us this week's show was so much fun it's music uh, it's comedy it's community it's, it's a lot of fun so you can it's a free show we do pass the hat at some point and uh, ask for donations but other than that you can enjoy a comedy show from the comfort of your own couch uh, if you are on camera we ask that you you know, I love when people are still on Zoom and like they've got their cam- their phone on their their belly and it's like a straight shot up their nose. It's very strange. So that's uh, on Monday evenings. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we're gonna have. Oh, I'm so excited about tomorrow. We have a, a great we have a great show. I would do want to let you know on Friday. I do have the uh, the team from Apolitini filling in for me. Dan Schaefer and uh, Megan Kelly will be filling in for me. And tomorrow we are gonna be talking to Sean Childs and Nick. Oh, we have a whole show. Nick Kipinis, who's an architect uh, working on green designs and. Uh, Sam's from Sam's Famous Salsa. It's 